There is a word from the Lord on today. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter number 12, verses 10. Genesis 12, 10 is not going to be a foundational text, but there's just something that I want to extrapolate out of that that's going to speak to where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks. Um, if you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. I want that to just marinate in your spirit just for a second that my, watch this, everybody shout, my life. I'm telling you today that your life is the better after hearing obeying and applying a word from the Lord. Can somebody say amen to that? Book of Genesis, chapter number 12, verses number 10, the Bible declares, Now there was a famine in the land of, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt and said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they, listen, I know, I already know this going to happen. <laughs> I know you're 70, but you fine at 70. <laughs> he said, I already know what's going to happen. When I get down there, they're going to kill me because of you and then let you live. So, Sarah, this is what I need you to say, my girl. Say, just say we, we, we cousin nims. <laughs> just tell them you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh, Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace uh, to be one of his wives. In essence, the king was getting ready to defile, watch this, not just Sarai, but defile the promise of God. So the Bible declares, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why did you tell me? She, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, why you lie? They ain't going to answer. <laughs> why you lie? <laughs> why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my, I would have slept with her. Now then, watch this, here is your wife, get up out of my kingdom. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity. Be, be, be glorified in this moment, Father. Allow this word to go beyond just the reasoning, the minds of your people. Allow it to penetrate their hearts cause change to happen. Somebody shout today. I'm asking you, Father, that there would be an adjustment in our attitudes today. And we give your name, the praise, the honor, and the glory. And everybody says, so watch this. I want to start here in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven, verses number 15. The preacher, he writes, um, observing some, uh, an anomaly of life. Something that he, he's going to highlight. He's not going to explain it. He's not going to try to interpret it. He's just, in essence, going to say, I sat back and I've been watching things all of my life, and this is something that I observed. He says, in this meaningless, meaningless life of mine, 
I have seen both of these. I've, I've observed the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. He says, I really can't understand it. I can't explain it, but I have seen that it seems as though that it's been some righteous people that died early. But then it's some times where some folks that should have been taken out here. <laughs> they still hanging around. I don't understand it, but I'm just telling y'all what I've observed. He's going to go on in verses number 17 to observe something else that I want to hang my hat on for the next couple of weeks. He says, do not be over wicked and do not be a fool. And this is why, because this is something that I have observed as well. Wicked people and fools wind up dying before their times. That's what he says. He says, don't be over wicked. Don't be a fool. Why, why die before your time? Psalms 55, 23 is going to speak to this same sentiment. The psalmist is going to write, and he's going to say, but you, God, will bring down, everybody shout, the wicked. He says, you will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty, the deceitful will not live out, watch this, half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. So if Hebrews 9.27 is correct, it is appointed unto men once to die. So, so your, your birth date was an appointment that you kept. And your death date is an appointment that we all have to keep. So God knows the time that he gave you. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor that God knows the time he gave you. Let me, let me just say it real plainly. God not only knows your birth date like you do, God also knows your death date. It's, it's already set in, in stone. The, the moment you were supposed to get here and then the moment that, that you're going to leave here. But here is a reality according to um, uh, uh, the preaching Ecclesiastes and the psalmist. There, if, if, if this point is my birth date and over here this point is my death date, after starting in birth, according to the psalmist and the preacher, there can be some things that I do to myself that cause me to shorten my death date. <laughs> I want to help somebody in this place. So, so he says, the wicked, everybody shout the wicked. He says, when you do wicked, you can shorten your, your, your date. Wicked is defined as intended to or capable of harming someone or something. Foolish is defined as unwise or lacking good sense. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this statement down. There are some past saints who really love the Lord but cut their lives short by acting wicked and foolishly against their own bodies. There's some men of God and some women of God who love Jesus for real, but they cut their own time in half because they acted, put the definition of wickedness back on the screen. Because, watch this, they weren't just capable of harming somebody else, they, acted, they actively harmed themselves by what they did and didn't do to their own bodies. They harmed themselves by foolishness, put foolish on the, they, they, they made unwise decisions or decisions that lacked good sense concerning their own physical body. There are some saints that are no longer here and the devil didn't do it. So I'm starting a brand new series today entitled, everybody shout, Healthy Habits. <laughs> 
healthy habits. Now, I want to I play off of that word, healthy habits, because it's dealing directly with the physical body. And let me just share with you where I'm not going for the next couple of weeks. I'm not talking about certain diets that you should or shouldn't. I'm not, I'm not talking about certain foods that you should or shouldn't eat. Neither am I talking about aesthetics, how you look, what size you want to be. Uh, because the reality is um, you can actually look a certain way on the outside but be the total opposite on the inside. Are y'all with me in this place? My, 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 sister, my sister, she passed of acute um, liver uh, failure in 2017. Later on that year, um, my, my doctor, he looked at my liver and he says, you have the liver, you have the type of liver of a, a drunk. And so he started asking me about my drinking habit. <laughs> and I told him, doc, I've never drunk alcohol in my entire life. Well, he says, you have a fatty liver and you need to do something about it. Now, watch this. According to my wife, my wife said I was fine and I just happened to believe her. <laughs> y'all can laugh all y'all want. She said, you look good. And I agreed. I look good on the outside. But it's something going on on the inside of my body that I had to address. So it's not, this series is not about aesthetics, but it is about... Uh, okay, let me say it like this. Th this is what God told me. This is what God told me. This was about, about six months ago. Six months ago. Because he's been challenging me with some things that I'm doing now for quite a while. But six months ago, he said something to me that just literally radically changed my mind. God spoke to me and he said, if you treated your bank account like you treat your body, you'd be financially destitute. That's what I heard him say. If you treated your bank account... The way you treat your body, you'd be financially destitute. How do I treat my bank account? I know how much money I got in my account right now. <laughs> like, like right now. I know exactly how much money is in my account. I know about how much money I'm getting ready to put in there, my account. Somebody gave me a check yesterday, and they gave it to my wife. I'm like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> I know the bills that's coming out of my account this week. So I know where my money is. I know what's going in. I know what's coming out. There was a point in my life when it came to my body, I didn't know what I put in it. I didn't know if I put enough in it or if I put too much in it. There was a time when I didn't, understand, I didn't know if I was burning enough calories a day, if I was working out enough or whatever. If you treat it, it showed quiet up in this. Let me move on. Let me move on. I want to give you some power scriptures for a second. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, these power scriptures. Watch these power scriptures. Luke 10, 19, one of my favorites. I give unto you, everybody shall power, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. First uh, John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that sits. Somebody shout, that's a power scripture there. I'm telling you, watch this. Isaiah 54, 17. Everybody shout, no weapon. The Bible declares, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against thee in judgment shall be condemned. Ooh, this is so powerful. This, this transcends Israel. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Come on, somebody shout, that's good. Romans 8, 31 says, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us? 
Now, 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 real talk, real, real talk. I need you to hear me just for a second. What can the devil do with a man or a woman who embraces that? I mean, real talk. What could you do to flip the devil's kingdom upside down? When, when you embrace who God has made you to be and you're not easily lured back into dumb stuff like you were in your earlier days. Does anybody, can I get a witness? What can the devil really do with that? And I'll tell you what he has been doing with it. I can't, you got a protective hedge around you. I can't just do whatever I want to do in your life. You've closed doors in, my, in your life. It's certain things, certain activities, certain, so I just can't even get near you. So I tell you what I'm going to do to you. I can't stop you from being powerful, but this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to get you to take yourself out one bite at a time. There go that quiet again. I don't think, did y'all shout during praise and work? I need the praise team to come back up. Give me something fast. Proverbs 23, 2 says, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. In essence, that's what you're doing when you choose not to take care of this body. It's just like putting a knife directly to your, to your throat. So this is what I want to do. Y'all bear with me. I want to teach a principle. The principle that I'm getting ready to teach um, is applicable across the board. I'll give you the name of the principle at the end. I just want to explain it first. The principle that I'm getting ready to give you is applicable across the board. You can apply it to almost anything, but I'm going to teach the principle and then show you how it applies to us as believers taking care of and managing our bodies. Let me say this plainly. There are too many saints that are dying from diseases that could be eradicated, cured, or at least managed by proper diet and exercise. Now, I'm not putting everybody in the same boat because there's some people that are afflicted with some serious things. There are some things that, that, that are generational. That's why the doctor says, okay, what, what, did your mother have this? Did your grandmother have this? So forth and so on. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are some of us as saints in the past have left, there, left here too early, and there are some of us, the devil is trying to set you up right now with the, <laughs> so in essence, there's coming a time if you don't make some changes today, you're going you to pray for healing when you should have had discipline. Okay? So let me teach the principle first. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 12, verse number 1, the Bible declares, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse number 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Everybody shout, that's the goal. So, so God is going to give his servant Abram the goal. The goal is for you to be a great nation. The goal is, is for your life to be so blessed, blessed that it causes you to be a blessing to others. The goal is, is for you to have a great name. Now, now watch this. Here's the challenge. Mm, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Um, you will rise or fall to the level of your habits, not to the measure of your goal. You will always rise or fall to the level of your habits. So, so this could be the goal, but if your habits are on this level, you will never achieve the goal that you're wanting because your habits aren't in line with the goal. So, so here's the challenge with Abram. 
Abram has a high goal, but he has a bunch of bad habits. Let me, let me highlight the bad. And I'm not saying that he did everything bad, but there were some things that he kept doing over and over, watch this, that didn't point to the goal of who God wanted him to be. Watch this. Um, Genesis 12 and 4. He took somebody along the journey God told him not to take. Genesis 12 and 13, he lied out of fear about his wife. Genesis 14 and 14, he fights a battle he had no business in. Genesis 20 and 2, he lied again, Pop. And we ain't, we ain't going to even talk about Hagar and Ishmael. So the goal is great nation. The goal is such a blessed, confident man that you bless other people's life. That's the goal. But you got some habits that doesn't lead to the goal that you're trying to reach. And there's some of you all, you have health goals, but your habits don't match your goals. Some of y'all got pictures of all kinds of stuff on the wall. Why are you eating ice cream? And <laughs> now let me go ahead and go there because here's the reality, something that I've been learning. I can't eat ice cream. I can, I can eat a whole pint if I want to. But if I eat a whole pint, I just can't eat nothing else today. No, no real talk. So it's a whole bunch of stuff I can eat. I can eat the whole cheesecake if I want to. But if I eat that for breakfast, I just can't eat lunch and dinner because this, within this cheesecake, this all the calories my body needs for the day. Some of y'all like, but God is merciful. Let me, I'm, I'm going to leave y'all alone. <laughs> y'all be asking for mercy for the wrong thing sometimes. I'm just saying. Now, now, now watch this. Uh, did you jot that down? You will rise or fall to the level of your habits, not to the level of your goals. Okay? So this is what God, mm, th this, is, this is what God wants to, to, to challenge you to do. And, and what I'm going I'm to attempt to teach is how to build sustaining habits. Because some of you all experienced emotional highs that created new habits for a while, but then you defaulted based back to your old patterns of how you've been treating your body, and you're trying to understand how did this happen, okay? I, I want to I help. I want to help. Jot this down. Goals are achieved through habits. Habits are birthed from identity. Identity is established by a belief system. Goals are achieved by what I repetitiously do. The repetition or the habits are birthed from who I identify myself as. And my identity is established by my set of beliefs. So, so let, me, let me give you, let me give you a, a, a clearer picture. I'm going to read statements that speak to a particular belief system. Here are the statements. I am too busy. I am too tired. It's too difficult. I'll start tomorrow or after the holidays. If you say this enough, it builds a type of belief system that points to the identity of a person who does not prioritize their health. 
Now, I know some of y'all don't want to say that, but that's your identity right now is that I do not prioritize my health. How do you know? Because the words speak to the type of belief system of an individual who does not prioritize their health. And since this is the identity that you have built, then your habits play out that you will start an exercise routine, but as soon as something comes that contradicts or gets in the way of what you said you was going to do in the gym, because you're a person who don't identify, you will never achieve the goal because you default back to old habits. Let's try another one. I deserve a break. I already blew it for the day anyway. Girl, one bite won't hurt. I can't work out by myself. Sure, it's my birthday. These are the words that establish a belief system that points to the identity of a person that says, I am a person who allows my emotion to dictate my health choices. So I know I said I was going to the gym, but girl, I just don't feel like it right now. I'll do it tomorrow, maybe. I don't, I'll see. Yeah. You know what? Today is it's a cheat. You do know it's, a, it's, it's no such thing, really, as a cheat day. It's supposed to be a cheat meal. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> so, so if you're like, if you going to blow your diet, you blow it on one meal, not the whole <laughs> Because I am, my, my, my health identity is based on how I feel. No matter what types of plans I put in motion, I'm always going to default back to how I feel. Let's dive deeper. Diets don't work for me. I just got a slow metabolism. It's my genetics. Girl, I can't afford no gym membership. It's expensive to eat healthy. These are words that support a belief system and points to the identity of a person, watch this, that finds it easy to make good excuses for things that are hard to do. There are some of you all have, you have built the identity of a person who quits if it gets too hard. Now here's the, here's the, the, the challenge or the thing about an identity. When, you was, when an identity is established within you like this, it spans across every part of your life. So not only are you undisciplined when it comes to eating, you're undisciplined when it comes to studying, you're undisciplined in relationships, you're undisciplined in the same area when it comes to your finances, or let, unless it's a place where you're really passionate about, where you have enough passion to override. But here's the problem. Pas you can only be passionate about a few things. Until you change the identity of how you actually see yourself, you will never establish consistent habits that are point to the goal that you're trying to achieve. Am I making sense in this place? So Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as you think, your belief system points to, everybody shout, my belief system establishes my identity. That's why the scripture teach, keep challenging us to meditate on the word of God day and night. What is he trying to do? Get you to shift your belief system so that you can align your life with the identity of who God says you are. And if you have a godly identity, it's going to produce godly habits. And if you continue with godly habits, you're going to hit godly goals. Am I making sense in this place? So, again, goals 
are achieved through habits. Habits are birthed from identity. Identity is established by a belief system. Now let's go deeper. Genesis 15 and 1. God has already spoken to Abram, and he told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. That's the goal. Um, I'm going to make your name great. That's the goal. I'm going to bless your life so much, I'm going to cause you to be a blessing. Somebody shout, that's the goal. But God knows that my man can never achieve the goals until his habits change. But his habits won't change until, his, until he sees himself, his identity, in alignment with what I said. And his identity won't change until his belief system changes. This is what God does. Genesis 15 and 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now, now watch this, watch this. God designed your mind in such a way that it will, by default, either pressure you to change your habits or, by default, it will pressure you to lower your goal. And in this particular text, that's what Abram is tempted to do. I know what you said, but my habits have been keeping me here to the place where I can't reach to what you said. So instead of my habits going up, how about I not be who you want me to be and let a slave in my house take my inheritance and you make his name great? Health-wise, that's what some of you all have been doing. You've been like, <laughs> how many of y'all like me put a picture on the vision board, and then after like two years, you just tore it down? <laughs> so you mean to tell me, Pastor, you won't learn how to adjust your habits to reach your goal? It's easier for you to just adjust the goal to some kind of way, stay comfortable with the current habits. God says, not, by, not, not for my children, not for the ones I love. Somebody shout, God got great things in store for me. How many of y'all believe that? God got great things in store. And so for, for, for some of us, you know, we just feel because God got it in store for us, some, one morning I'm just going to wake up miraculously and bam, it's going to be right there. My dad, he ministers a message that um, there are prepared blessings for prepared people. So God says, no, I'm not just going to magically take you there. There's a process, there's a principle in the word of God that I want you to apply to get you to the place. And the reason I need you to work the principle because I need you to model it so that you can teach it. Again, I'm going to say there are too many generals that leave here. I'm talking about, man, I could, and I'm not going to name names, but I could name names. People in particular who were so, who were so influential in my life as a, as a man of God, when they finally got to the gravy spot in their ministry, when I, when I talk about the gravy spot, I'm not there yet. The gravy spot is not only are you effectively doing what you're doing, but you've raised up soldiers who are doing what you're doing, and watch this, while y'all are doing it together, you're continuing to feed them the wisdom. Here is, here's a tragedy in the church. There are too many sons who have their father's grace but not their wisdom. 
So there's a, there's a flow that I have like Apostle Beard. There's a flow that I have like some of my other mentors. But I'm hanging on still because although the, there has, watched this, transference of anointing, wisdom don't transfer like that. Knowledge just don't transfer like that. So instead of lowering the goal, this is what, what God does. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. God rebukes him. God rebukes him. He challenges this. The, he, in essence, he says, this is a lie. Don't say that. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Now watch this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. I want you to stay with me. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offsprings be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Genesis 17 and 5. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Genesis 17, 15. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to be called Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. What does Sarah mean? I will bless her. And will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will, here it is, she'll be the mother of many nations. Kings of people will come from her. One more, Genesis twenty-two seventeen, That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Okay? Finish writing this out. Goals are achieved through habits. Habits are birthed from identity. Identity is established by a belief system. Belief systems are fortified through repetition. What I'm demonstrating to you is what's known as the law of saturation or the principle of saturation. Okay? As a man, no, that's not the scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Notice that that scripture doesn't say faith comes by having heard. No, faith comes by hearing. It's what I am hearing. As I continue to hear the word of God, it builds my faith. As my belief system is developed, it establishes my identity. When I embrace my identity, I begin to walk out godly habits. And as I walk out godly habits, I achieve godly goals. So what God had to do for Abram, because I want you to achieve this goal, the first thing that I'm going to do is I want to change and alter your belief system. Stop calling yourself exalted father because that doesn't match the goal of who I want you to be. Call yourself in alignment with the goal. I am a father of many nations. And stop calling your situation something that's not in agreement with the goal. Call Sarah mother of many nations. And not only do I want you to say it out of your mouth, I want you to create an environment that every time you see certain things, they continue to point to who it is I want you to be. Every time you look up at night, you're going to see stars and let that be a reminder that that's the number of seed that God, if I can count the number of stars, I'd be able to count my seed in the daytime as you are walking. Every time you kick sand with your sandals, let it be known that if I can number the grains of sand, it will be an indication of the numbers. It's the principle of saturation. And some of you or your belief system can't change is because you saturated with stuff that's the antithesis of the goals God has for you. 
from a, from a, from a health standpoint, everything around you speaks to feed yourself now. Feed yourself whatever you want. Girl, it's a celebration. Let's go eat. Girl, you depressed? Let's go eat. You ain't feeling good? I know how to cheer you up. Let's go get some ice cream. Your, our entire environment is saturated with ideas that are anti-health, that are anti-taking care of this body. It's do it for myself. It's self-gratification now in whatever manner I choose. So I got to be in, in, intentional. Intentional of creating an environment of saturation that's the, the type of stuff that I listen to, the type of stuff that I read, the type of people that I'm talking to. Some of you guys are already working this principle in other areas in your life and you're getting results. Some of you all, it's in your music. Some of you all, it's in your writing. Some of you all, it's in, in, in other endeavors that you have, entrepreneurial endeavors. You have, you have saturated yourself with this. Now all of a sudden, I'm not just somebody who wants to write a book. I actually see myself as a writer. And because I see myself as a writer, I'm developing habits of a writer. And, and, and if I continue these habits in just a moment, I'm just not going to publish a book, but I'll have journals, I'll have blogs, I'll have articles, I'll have... Do you, you understand what I'm saying? If I see myself as a person of... So my, my, my trainer, he says, he says, and it's, it just blew me away. It blew me away. Because I, what, what I'm teaching you, a guy taught me from a secular perspective. And as he's sitting there talking to me about this, I feel so convicted because I teach the same principle from a spiritual perspective in other areas in my life, but I never applied it to my health. So every time I went three weeks working out hard, I was the guy who said, I deserve a break. I'm the guy who deceived my own self. Matter of fact, I used to do crazy stuff. I used to eat a piece of pie and be like, okay, that's, that's 30 minutes of uh, cardio right there. And then I eat another slice and be, that's an hour. And then I eat another slice and be like, you know what, it's, it's okay. God knows my heart. My guy said to me, he says, your problem is you don't see yourself as a person of health. It's your identity. You don't see. He says, you don't have to see yourself as an athlete, but to accomplish the goals that you say you want. Because this, he says, Greg, this is what you told me you wanted. He says, you have to develop the mindset that I am a guy who trains. I, he says, say that. I'm like, he's he doing to me what I do to y'all. Say it. I am a guy who trains. I'm a guy who trains. Say it again, Greg. I'm a guy who trains. Y'all know what I wanted him to say? This is my Bible. Because <laughs> you're preaching right now. I'm a guy who trains. So if that's the identity, don't even worry about the goal, because this, this is where many of us have made our mistakes. We understand a goal, and then we try to create habits that reach the goal, but there's no identity that speaks to the habits. So your default is who you see yourself. So, so, I started saying that. And so this is what he started doing. He started sending me articles, weekly things to read, weekly stuff to, to, to dive into, to help build this belief system that I could actually identify myself as a guy who trains. And, and this is what's been happening. As I have been, let's go beyond aesthetics, let's go beyond the goal. Let's not even look at the goal. 
The gold would take care of itself. <laughs> I'll never forget, I, I was in the seventh grade. I started working out. I came home. I said, Pop, it was like day two of working out. I said, Dad, I worked out. Can you tell? <laughs> My pop's so wisdom, so wise. He said, son, if you just keep working out, you won't have to ask nobody, can they tell? Didn't nobody ask me because I stopped working out. <laughs> Somebody shall saturate me, Lord. No. God wants you to saturate yourself. You're trying to get God to do something that God wants you to do. Again, this principle of saturation is applicable in almost any uh, uh, area of life. Whatever it is that God wants you to be, you have to throw yourself completely in it. So, so right now, he, he used this example. He says, he says, you have the identity of a pastor. Absolutely. And watch this. My identity causes pastoral habits, things that I, I don't even have to think about. I just do by default throughout the week. And it helps me to achieve pastoral goals, things that I want to accomplish in my life. But before I achieve the goal, before I get to the habits, before I established myself, the identity, there were things that I did that built up my belief system. And I'm telling you today, there are some things that God wants you to do to better develop your belief system. I'm almost done. Look, touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, hang in there. Just hang in there. Man. Y'all show quiet today. Is anybody getting blessed? I'm done. Tim, help them out and just play something soft, man. Jesus. They like, he need to hurry up today. What time is it? It ain't even 11. I, I got my logos timer on today, y'all. <laughs> okay. Everybody shout, Lord, what are my health goals? Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that. Um... Pop, how old are you, old man? My pop, 71. Y'all bless the Lord for the old man, right? I need him to keep living so I can see how far I can go. I need you to keep living, old man, so I can see how far I can go. Got something funny, but I ain't going to say it. You know, I love you. I got something funny. That's, that's me and your talk. I, right now, I literally base my life off of his pattern. Base. He's walking in front of me. And I'm still, in my mind, Bev, I'm still like that. You, you ever seen a kid? My, my, my sons, they used to do it to me. Nate, he still do it. Like, I'll be walking, and like the, the, the son will cast a shadow. And as I'm walking... My son, he'll be walking in my shadow and my footsteps. And every once in a while, I do something like this. And, you know, I, I still see myself like that eight-year-old kid. My dad is walking, and I'm walking in his footsteps. So I need you to keep going. And watch this. You, got, you have children. You have grandchildren. You have nieces. You have nephews. You have loved ones that need you to keep going. They don't need you to stop. 
They don't need you to be taken out of here before your time. The scripture declares the wicked and the foolish often die before their time. Wicked is simply defined as someone who brings harm to someone else or to themselves. It's wicked. It's foolish when you unwisely mistreat your body. Too many saints are dying before, before their time. So, if I'm going to implement this law of saturation, if, if I'm going to be into, is, is anybody going to go home and, and, and strive to be intentional? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, let's start here. Let's start with repenting to God for accepting and embracing bad patterns. Yeah. I, I told you that this, this, this series is not going to be on types of food because I got a dear sister who I love that I love cabbage and greens. But if she ate it, it would, be, it would do her body total harm. She can't eat cabbages. Have another uh, friend of mine. Um, he, he does sweets. I really don't do sweets well. But he, he can eat sweets in moderation and be okay. But if he eats red meats, just red meats. I got another buddy of mine. It's, it's any pork, period. I can do red meat. I can do fish. I can do a whole bunch of meats. But for whatever reason, this type of meat it, uh, I got somebody else, one, one of my friend's children, they can eat all types of meat but hot dogs. It's just something about hot dogs. So this is not about a particular. It is about you knowing what's best for your body and you still choosing not to do it. Looking for God to have grace on you in your final days when God says that your life should have been extended but your own foolishness and wickedness brought you to this. Somebody shout, the devil is a liar. Somebody shout, not me, not anymore. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a grace. I'm going to pray a grace over the house. Grace for two things. Number one, that God would help you to create a plan that fits you so that you can better take care of your body. It's not about being a size whatever. It's not about having uh, abs or whatever. It's not about that at all. But at the end of the day, watch this. Watch, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Watch this. Watch this. If, if this is my body and this is my spirit, I want my body and my spirit to go out at the same time. I want, Pop, my body to fail when my spirit's assignment is done. So what winds up happening in the past is the body and the spirit, they're going, and the body, because of poor self-care, a lot of times, not every time, but sometimes, the body declines and the spirit has to go, not because it's time, but the suitcase that it occupies is not in the position to carry out the assignment of the spirit anymore. I want my body to fail. Everybody shout, I want my body to fail when my assignment is done. Until then. Well, I was just saying that was my part. <laughs> until then, I lost my thought. Just, un just until then, lift those hands. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. I'm praying grace over them, God, to, for the fulfillment of their assignment. Number one, God, that you would give them passion as well as a plan, God, to 
to fill their lives, to saturate their lives. For, for some, that means a, a cleaning out of my pantry. That, that means um, routes that I take. Um, for some, that means places where I, I, I go. Maybe I have to cook a little bit more. Maybe I have to prep my food in advance for a couple of days in order for me to be on a routine. Maybe I, maybe I need to partner with somebody. Maybe I need to hire a trainer. Maybe I need to invest in myself financially, commit to a gym. Whatever it is, I pray, God, that you would give your people grace, God. Give a, Everybody shout, God, give me grace. God, that you would give us the grace to come up with a plan so that we can better care for these bodies. Secondly, God, I'm going to ask you for grace to cover us for how we have mistreated these temples in the past. How we have abused bodies that you blessed us with by the inactivity, the sedentary lifestyles, the overeating or the starvation or just the simple neglect of not taking care of. So this is your moment now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Do it now. If that's you, that's you. I'm giving you an opportunity now in your own little private prayer tent. Come on, talk to God about your body. Talk to God about your body. Talk to God about your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. God, forgive us, Lord, where we failed you in not disciplining ourselves, bringing our flesh under subjection, Jesus. Thank you, God. For somebody else in this place, this is your opportunity. Maybe there's another particular sin in your life. My God. Maybe it's the nicotine or, or, or drugs or whatever that you put in your body. Confess it to God now. For the Bible declares if you confess your sin that he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God says, I want to cleanse your temple today. Thank you, Jesus. I want to cleanse your veins today. Holy Ghost of God, do it. Do it in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. God says that I want to renew your mind today. I want to give you a fresh identity of the man of God and the woman of God that I want you to be. It's not about vain. No, 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 no. It's not about aesthetics. It's not about how you look. But it is about how you feel. Come on, somebody. It is about the ability to stand the strain in this earthly realm as my spirit is navigating in this world, Father. God, forgive us of how we have treated your temple, God. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord God. God, and you're so grateful, and you're so merciful. You're so graceful, and you're so merciful. So God, I'm not gonna just ask you for mercy, God, when I get sick, God, but I'm gonna ask you for mercy now to help me to manage my appetite, God, to help me to manage my activity, Father, to help me to manage the rest that I get, Father, to restore and to recuperate my body. I'm gonna ask you for the wisdom of the proper things, the vitamins and the nutrition to put in this body, Father, so that it can live out its assignment in the earth. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord God. Woo! Yeah.
listen to me. Everybody, listen, listen. So, so I, I can hear, I can hear my naysayers. Um, that message so fleshly. What that got to do with Jesus? He ought to be preaching something about the second coming. Well, this is what I want to say about the second coming. I want to be around when he come. That's your message. I want to be when he come. I want to be here. Now, one last thing, and we're going to make a quick transition. Just hold it right there. I like that. I want to give you, I want to give you four health goals. I want to give you four scriptural health goals. I want you to jot this down, take a picture of it, whatever you need to do, text it, email it to yourself. Here are four scriptural health goals. I want you to write down. The first one is 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Somebody shout, that's my goal. I'm going to read it in NLT. NLT says, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are, watch this, as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Somebody shout, that's my goal. That's my goal right there. Here's another one. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 8. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. So, so KJV says, bodily exercise profited little. It doesn't say it's no value or it's no profit. What is the writer saying? The writer is saying, of course, compared to spiritual work, my spiritual investment is more valuable than the body. But if it's profitable, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get the profit out of it. So here, here's the goal. The goal is for me to value physical training and exercise. Okay? One more. 1 Corinthians 9.27, the man of God. Here's my, this is my go-to scripture here. N NLT says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Somebody shout, that's the goal. The goal is I'm going to discipline my flesh like an athlete. I'm going to make my body do what it's supposed to do. I'm going to make it eat what it's supposed to eat. I'm going to make it train the way it's supposed to train. I'm going to bring my body under subjection. Would you all receive this word on today? Come on and give God a hand clap of praise all over this building. Hallelujah, Jesus.